Left. Right. Yo, what's up to this new episode of Sip Talk? Tonight we are talking about asteroids. Asteroids, meteoroids, comments, all the above. What you don't know, you are about to learn. Listen on, and I will see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Welcome to Sip Talk, everyone, episode 160. My name is Justin DiGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, a bartender, professional referee, and uh, most exciting of all, an accountant. Yep, that's what gets the ladies going. Yeah, yeah, especially during tax season. I can only imagine, can only imagine uh, how excited they must be to... Uh, have your acquaintance there. So, James, in uh, South Carolina, I heard you crack a beer. What are you drinking? I am back on the Bush Ice train. Bush Ice. I got a giant glass once again of scotch. I got a big uh, liter and a half bottle upstairs. It doesn't make sense to bring it down here and pour. So I got a, an episode's worth of uh, a whiskey here. Uh, what but, is it, uh, Dewar's? No, it's uh, uh, like an Evan Williams type, one of those cheap, cheap whiskey. Had some ice in there when I started, melted a little bit. But look, let's uh, let's, let's announce the topic today. We're talking about asteroids, and uh, I'm pretty excited for this episode. We're running a little late. I was doing a little research. Asteroids, I think, is a really big, big topic. Like I said, I did some research on the topic, uh, and yet, really, greatest of all, and I'll lead if you don't mind, and then we can get into the mask and and the politics of it and everything. But uh, asteroids, you know, Stephen Hawking said that the asteroid is the greatest threat to human life. And, uh, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, asteroids are this, they're swollen veins in your lower rectum, and they can bleed and sometimes cause pain. So according to Stephen Hawking, these are some pretty serious things. Well, as someone who spent a lot of his t most of his life in a chair, I can understand why. <laughs> uh, no, my friends, those are hemorrhoids. That's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, but if you guys want to join and get in on the asteroid talk, you're welcome to click the link in my Instagram profile, and you can uh, you can chime in, share your opinion. Uh, so asteroids are uh, giant uh, rocks that are orbiting the sun, and, uh, and there's potential for collision into planets and potentially this planet, the planet Earth. So on that note, James, what's, uh, you got this mask on there. What's up with the mask? Well, um, I'm not sick or anything like that. I somehow managed to dodge Omicron despite flying 5,000 miles total and going to a concert in San Diego. But I'm wearing this mask because, uh, uh, giant meteor happened to be my candidate, my preferred candidate in 2020, and I'm hoping that he makes a run for it in 2024 as well. Did you, uh, were you able to vote for the giant meteor? I wrote him in for one of the local elections. Yeah. <laughs> I seriously yeah. did. 
I, I think I it was for like the division of like land and water management. I thought that that was the most fitting place for him. Well, I think you know, meteor could be potentially very rich in, uh, you know, in uh, in minerals that you know we may not have quite as many on Earth. So I think uh, could be really good for your local economy. But what I'm worried about now is like I still wear this mask as like my main everyday mask if I have to go out, and now like I'm worried that people might interpret it as a comment on the legitimacy of the election in 2020. Whereas in reality, I'm just saying. Our political system is so terrible that I would prefer a giant meteor to hit the Earth than to have to go through another election cycle. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the giant meteor candidate was a write-in candidate on the most recent uh, presidential election. And it actually got a small amount of traction that, I, that you have a mask for it. So obviously you're very familiar with it. And I had found out about it separately. Uh, and, and the fact that you knew about it, I thought was, was pretty wild because uh, I found, about, found out about it probably on Twitter, which, by the way, you can now watch us live on Twitter. So, but, uh, yeah, now that I'm, but I figured if I were ever to wear this mask for one of our casts, tonight would be the night, since tonight, we're talking about the candidacy. Since we're talking about the candidacy, since we're talking about asteroids, which is, uh, thank you for t taking the mask off. I don't think you're, you're at any risk of getting uh, coronavirus. Uh, I, I don't leave the house. <laughs> so, uh, so look, the uh, the idea of the asteroid topic today came about uh, with uh, this movie called Don't Look Up. Have you watched that yet? No. Are you, uh, I think you owe it to yourself to to watch this movie. Uh, it's basically a parody of the Trump presidency. I thought and, I, I I had heard it. I had heard a plot summary from my brother and that it's kind of a thinly veiled allegory about how we're dealing with global warming. Yes, uh, but it is, it, I think it's, it's a very tight parallel to the Trump presidency. And you, you really have to watch it. Uh, did your brother watch it or he just told you about it? He watched it. He said oh, okay. that it, it's a two and a half hour movie that could have probably been done in 90 sure but it's also fun to watch and uh and it's just, it's an exciting movie very well cast great acting and uh a funny plot funny storyline and uh, and that's it it's not a drama it's not a serious movie it's not the shawshank redemption so if your brother went in looking for the shawshank redemption uh i'm sure he was displeased because it's it's meant to be uh a parody of a movie basically so it's not you know, certain elements of it that you have to you have to laugh at and and see their their parallels in real life. Uh, but don't look up movie talking about a giant asteroid hitting the Earth and how what would be the Trump administration is dealing with that asteroid and how the media is handling it and how the scientists are handling it and how the general public is handling handling it and then the international relations and how they're dealing with it. So it's it's a pretty cool movie in that respect. So for that reason. We're thinking about asteroids, and then uh, apparently there's a uh, there's a decent-sized asteroid passing Earth tonight. Uh, it's my understanding it's about 1.2 million miles away. I could have that number wrong, but yeah, that's uh, probably what, about five times the distance between us and the Moon. And uh, uh, it's the size of the Golden Gate Bridge. When I read the article, it said bridge-sized asteroid. And I'm thinking. <laughs> 
the fuck does that mean? That's a pretty big range. Thinking like the tap in Z bridge, and then I'm thinking like you know, like a little brace that goes over the an overpass. I'm like, what the fuck is bridge size? What's the relevancy of, of bridge size? Um, but but that's for those of you who don't uh, follow the news as intently as we do. There's an asteroid passing by Earth, and um, and then on a separate note, you heard about this volcano that erupted recently? Yeah. Um... I found out about it because I got a warning, uh, what was it, Saturday morning? Yeah, it had to have been Saturday morning in in San Diego, of uh, a tsunami warning. And I was super tired that morning. And <laughs> oh, this is a bad like, my day phone starts tsunami. going ballistic at about 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what in the world is this? So I open it up and it says, tsunami warning. <laughs> and it says, tsunami expected to hit at approximately 7.50 a.m., estimated size is one to three feet and i said eh, we're higher than three feet off the ground i'm going back to sleep now granted yeah. you have to remember that my brother's place is three blocks from the beach oh no shit no shit but there's some elevation there not much but well, i was willing to gamble on it being <laughs> higher than three feet oh man that would have been a really sucky uh trip to california if uh <laughs> If uh, you get hit by a tsunami out there, no, it would have uh, been awesome. Well, I would have stories to tell for the rest of my life. Unless you were in a whale's belly. Well, the, the, like the whales tend not to get swept up with the tsunami. <laughs> I think they're already out there with the with the tsunami. It's just some fun waves for them to for them to ride. So, so look, I want to get into I want to really get into asteroids though, because uh, Stephen Hawking did say the asteroid is the greatest threat to human life. And I think he is, uh, he's on to something. I think he's got, you know, I think if we don't kill ourselves <laughs> uh, by polluting the earth and, and making this place reasonably unlivable, that some outside force is likely to, uh, to do some damage to us. Well, in terms of things that we have completely, have no control whatsoever, um, asteroids are pretty high up there. Um, the other one that I would say is like a huge existential threat to our planet that we have nothing to do about would be gamma ray bursts. Okay, that comes off the sun, right? No, it, it comes from stars, but our sun wouldn't be able to do one. Basically, when a star of sufficient mass goes supernova, if there, if certain conditions are right, it'll release a burst of gamma rays and like a super narrow cone, and if you're in the way of that, it will, like, if you're, if, it, it, let's just imagine the sun had the capability of releasing a gamma ray burst. If it were to do so, and it were pointed at Earth, Earth would just vaporize, even at the distance that we are from the sun. Like, Earth would vaporize in probably a matter of seconds. So, you could be light years away from a gamma ray burst and still have, like, planetary-wide annihilation. Wow. I, and there's uh, one mass extinction several hundred million years ago that they actually think might have been because of a gamma ray burst. They're super rare. They're, they're, it's not a common phenomenon among stars. And then, even if it happens, you basically have to have the star directly pointed at us and close enough that it will actually hurt. Well, the, the star pointed at us, or the event pointed at our direction. 
Well, yeah, so think about it. Like, if you've got, like, a a ball spinning, like, the gamma ray burst will go from the poles. So we would need to have the poles in alignment with us in order for it to even, for even us to register it. So, like, we, we, we detect these things all the time, but if they're coming from, like, 50,000 galaxies away, then it's just a bright flash of light that our telescopes pick up. But if it were to happen within probably maybe 100 light years or so of us, then we'd be in serious trouble. Interesting. So uh, we'll get maybe more to gamma rays another time. But that's something that we have no control over. But asteroids, I was watching a video about it earlier today. And the expert that they were interviewing is like, well, if we were to detect one of these things, what could we do? And the guy's like, well, nothing. <laughs> uh, well, there's there's some general scientific ideas that we basically along the, the lines of the movie Armageddon that we're going to go and we're going to uh, try to blast it in half. Uh, or so that's a really bad general. idea. Well, it's also very difficult because of what asteroids are made out of. But but I'll let you elaborate on on why it's right, a bad well, idea and why it's very difficult. So we're gonna we're gonna skip over why it's difficult right now, and let's just imagine that we could put a really large nuclear bomb on an asteroid that's like a kilometer across or like ten kilometers across. Like the one that that wiped out the dinosaurs sixty five million years ago was thirteen or fourteen kilometers across. So let's say ten kilometers is enough to really wipe out almost everything on the planet. And the one in Don't Look Up, I think, was like nine kilometers. So let's go with that. So, so just for the record, that's <coughs> that's uh, roughly the, the size of Central Park. Um, Central, I like think Central Park is... Five and a half or six miles across? 110. It's about, yeah, it's about five miles. Okay. So if we were... Let's just imagine that we can place our biggest nuke on one of those asteroids. When we detonate it, what we're doing is we're not deflecting the path of the asteroid at all. It's still going to hit us. And the amount of material that is going to be, like, ejected out is going to be pretty minimal. But we might be able to fragment the asteroid a whole bunch. But what that ends up doing is instead of taking, like, one really large rifle bullet... We've just turned it into several smaller. It basically, it's a rifle bullet and turns it into a shotgun blast. Which, depending on the size, could be sustainable on Earth. Uh, depending on the size of the fragments, so if the fragments are small enough, they would get burned. But you're going to have a random assortment of of sizes. Well, so you might have instead of having one large nine kilometer, you might have like twenty half kilometers. Yeah, um, and a half kilometer. You're going to take one massive impact and turn it into like twenty to thousands of small to medium to large impacts. Because even like a half kilometer, like a, a kilometer wide um, asteroid, would be able to wipe out like a country. Like if you were to send one into like France or Germany, that would be the end of France or Germany. Like the rest of the globe would probably be okay after a year or two, but that country's done. So instead of having the entire globe get wiped out by one big hit, you'd probably have the entire globe get wiped out by many, many slightly smaller hits. 
So I, I read about this one that hit in Russia. It was called Chelyabinsk, and it was about the size of two school buses. Yep. And uh, it did some really serious damage out there. And uh, what what they said was, you know, it, it, it hit the ground. So you see it kind of, there's a whole bunch of people taking videos of it with their cell phone because you see it going across the sky, flaming ball going across the sky, and then it hits. And then, of course, you have to wait for the speed of sound and for the way the... Well, it the, actually blew up. It didn't hit the earth. It, it blew up in the atmosphere. Oh, okay. I, I was not aware of that. But it's my understanding that there were waves that came out of it that caused damage, major damage to buildings, anything that was glass shattered, you know. Uh, so when it, when it blew up in the atmosphere, I don't remember the altitude that it did so, but it blew up with the force of about 10 megatons, which is about 200 times stronger than the Hiroshima bomb. So even though it blew up really high up and everything, it was still a massive explosion, and then the shock wave hit the city. And blew out a whole bunch of windows and knocked Shockwave. over some buildings. Shockwave was the, was the word I was looking for. So there's no nuclear radiation, but there was this, which you're not going to get with a with an asteroid, anyways. Never. <laughs> but uh, but you are getting the shockwave that comes with it, like an atomic bomb. Yeah, and if you have it, it all depends on the angle in which it enters the atmosphere and everything. But if you have it going straight on or whatever. Depending on the size, it might make it to the ground. It depends on how big it is and how much of it burns up before it reaches the ground. And so, like, if you were to take something the size of like, the Ch the Chelyabinsk meteor that hit, um, that's one that like you probably could blow up with a nuclear weapon because it's small enough. But well, that was the size of two school buses. So that's you know that, but that wasn't a very big one. Right, and that's one where like. If it if if something like that hits a city, it, it's like people will get hurt and there'll be some property damage, but it's hardly a threat to humanity. Exactly. So I want to spell out the differences between comets, meteors, and asteroids. So I'll start with uh, start with asteroid. An asteroid is a rocky object that orbits the sun and has the average size between a meteoroid and a planet. So a meteoroid is a space rock, relatively small object, traveling through space, the size of a grain of dust to a small asteroid. I don't, I don't know that that, well, that helped with the definition. Not really. Um, I just think they're they're big rocks floating around, and there's really two types. There's like highly metallic ones, and then there's going to be like much more rocky ones, and that all has to do with when the when the solar system was forming. Like, you had all this matter just kind of colliding and stuff. And so when, it, like, for example, the core of the Earth is mostly iron. And so iron's heavy and dense. And so as these things were forming, the metals would start to sink to the middle of whatever objects they were in, that they were forming. But there was also tons of them that were colliding into each other all the time. So if there was a big enough collision, it would send all the parts out. So you have some that are mostly metal of, like, the cores of things that they hit. And then you've got basically just like piles of gravel that have attracted to each other through gravity and are now kind of stuck together. So just think about like compacted gravel or rock. Yeah, and but asteroids, if you think about it, are actually like the leftovers from the formation of our solar system. 
Yes. They're like, they're basically pieces. So there's obviously lots of collision. The heavier objects kind of, well, they were attracted to each other and ultimately became planets. And then some other bigger bodies hit into them, bounced off. Parts of them bounced off, became some moons. Um, but there were some pieces that just have yet to collide because it takes time and they're still out there. Or there was a collision that caused them to kind of go out there. So they're yeah, they're all kind of leftovers of of billions of years of planet formation. Uh, so, but an asteroid is a large space rock. A meteoroid is a smaller space rock. A meteor is a meteoroid that enters the Earth's atmosphere. Well, and so, you've got meteors and meteorites. So a meteor is anything that burns up in the atmosphere. A meteorite is something that makes it all the way down to the ground. The meteorite has made contact. The meteor entered the Earth. And a meteor is a meteoroid, but it's entered the atmosphere. So I guess it would go meteoroid. It's just out there, but it's not big enough to be an asteroid. So you got meteoroid, and then a meteor hits the atmosphere. And then the meteorite hits the ground of the Earth. Yeah. Okay. And then and then you have asteroid, which is a larger meteoroid, smaller than a planet, uh, smaller than Pluto, for example, which isn't a isn't a full planet. And then you yeah. have comet. Then you have comet. You know what a comet is? Mostly made up of water. Yeah, gas and ice, uh, and usually has a. A tail that's coming off it. Yeah, they're lower density, but if you were to have a sufficiently large comet hit us, um, the planet wouldn't really know the difference. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't notice. <laughs> no, um, if you've got a 10-kilometer asteroid versus a 10-kilometer meteor, or a 10-kilometer comet, um, the effects to us are going to be about the same. It's not going to be like, oh, thank God that was a 10-kilometer comet, otherwise uh, <laughs> it would have been a bad day. <laughs> So a couple of years ago, I actually got, I don't know, I must have listened to a podcast or a YouTube video, and I was learning about how really impossible, impossibly difficult it is to identify asteroids and uh, basically how clueless we are and how susceptible we might be to asteroids. And I stumbled across this uh, website. It's a program called Sentry which is the Center for Near-Earth Object Studies, and they track all of the asteroids out there in our solar system, or they try to track. And, you know, they do so with the precision, the closest precision that, that science allows us. Are you familiar with Sentry? No, um, but in terms of tracking asteroids and predicting where they're going to go i don't know if you know this but like the, the chelyabinsk uh, the chelyabinsk asteroid in 2013 um was a bit of an embarrassment to the scientific community because they had actually early like predicted that there was going to be an asteroid flying by the earth yes. much earlier that day <laughs> and they were right there was one that came within like 30,000 miles or so of the earth which is super close so th this and, is wild. And, so this is wild. And, so and they then, said they so said this morning, So they said so they said, "Hey, we're going to have an asteroid pass by the Earth. Pay attention today." And uh, and then And sure enough it did. It did. And then <laughs> and lo and behold, hits. and then lo and behold, they just got fucking smacked on, on the back of their head somewhere in Russia by a different by a different asteroid. So that's that's wild, man. 
That is wild that the same day they predicted something passing by the Earth, the Earth was hit by something, which actually did some decent damage. Yeah, it makes me think of the old trick that you used in dodgeball, where if you had uh, a ball in each of your hands, what you would do is you'd throw one ball straight up in the air to distract the person, and while they're looking at that ball, you throw the other one. Yeah, I didn't know about that trick, actually. Next time I play dodgeball, which will probably never be never. never tried that one? No, I was not a big uh, fan of the dodgeball. I was not, you know, I don't know. I just I wasn't very good at dodgeball. So I n- never liked it. I didn't. I didn't get. I I was happy to get out in the beginning of dodgeball. Like, yeah, all right. Throw some ball. All right, hit me. Cool, cool. I'm. I'm I'll just watch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess uh, you know if I ever end up in a dodgeball type situation, um, I will. I will have to uh, distract people with that. So so look, in terms of how tough asteroids are to spot, think about this. Like we look out into outer space. And remember, we're, we're tracking most of these things with Earth, Earth-based uh, lenses and Earth-based telescopes. So think about what you can see from Earth. You can, you can barely see the planets, right? And then you can still barely see the stars. Now, these asteroids are so small, and a lot of them don't reflect light very well. Yeah, most of them are pretty dark. So unless they happen to be like fully illuminated by the sun, you're going to have a really hard t- time seeing them at all. And uh, and they're small, man. Like think 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 about like you could you know think about like some nights you can see Mars and it's a little red dot. All right, Mars is a very big planet. It's almost the size of Earth, and it's illuminated by 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 the sun. So you're seeing the sun reflect off of it. But it's fucking huge. It's, it's planet size. So now you t- think of a planet size like Earth and then think of something school bus size or the size of Central Park. Yeah. You can't see even Central, Central Park, Park is pretty tiny compared to the rest of the planet. You can't see Central Park from outer space. <laughs> so, so imagine looking for something the size of Central Park, not just from... Uh, just outside of the Earth, orbiting Earth, but from, which is where we look at Earth from, usually in Earth's orbit, but think of something the size of Central Park millions and millions and millions of miles away in, you know, in the orbit of the sun. You're never going to find that thing. And you have to catch it when there's light on it, because otherwise you're not going to see it. Yeah. That's, that's, to me, is a little scary, the fact that we can't see these things, and there's millions of them just flying around. And even if we were to catch one and do all the calculations and be like, well, this is going to hit us, that still doesn't really leave us with much. Well, so speaking of these calculations, this is where it gets even scarier. So one, it's like so unlikely that you're going to find one. And the example that you gave, one day we said, hey, guys, we're going to have an asteroid coming by. Check it out. And the same day, we were hit. <laughs> by a different one. By a different one. <laughs> so, so these things are that difficult to find. Luck. Uh, we got lucky. It's a luck. It's a luck game. So, um, uh, let me just hit my notes here. Size of Central Park. Identifying them in the vastness of space. They don't reflect much light. Um, so, identifying the trajectory of an asteroid is incredibly difficult. So, the majority of the asteroids. Uh, in the orbit of the sun exist in the asteroid belt. 
which is between Mars and uh, and Saturn, I think. Jupiter. Mars and Jupiter. You're right, Jupiter. And most of them are pretty stable and just happy to go around in circles. Exactly. However, a lot of them have a much more eccentric orbit, and they are impacted by the gravity of every other planet. So, Well, even if they don't have an eccentric orbit, they're still impacted by the gravity of the other planets. But what I, heard, what I read today was that the majority of the ones that, that we can track, we can't... It's, it's called dynamical chaos. Um, because they're affected by the gravity of other big objects, uh, we can only predict roughly 100 years into the future. Where they're that's going. the best case scenario. That's the absolute best case scenario. And that's when we can find them. And the way that we find them is by taking pictures of little areas in the sky over a certain amount of time and looking for items that move. And the way that we find items that move is they have to be reflecting light. Yeah, and like the, the main way that they do is they just look at like pictures of an area in space and look for something that's moving through it. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to compare it over a certain amount of time, and then you keep taking pictures, and that's how you watch, that's how you figure out what its uh, trajectory is. Yeah. And, um, and it's still a guess. So Rosh is saying, uh, like, asking us, and we're going to throw this out to the audience as well, let's just imagine, they say, one month from now, we're certain that an asteroid's going to be hitting the Earth and it's going to be bad. What do you do? So James wants to know, if you find out the Earth is coming to an end, what are you going to do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, because, because then nothing matters, and then certain things can matter a whole lot, right? Like, <laughs> Raj said he's going to eat anything. <laughs> so what are you going to do if you know in 30 days the planet is coming to an end because an asteroid is about to hit us? Uh, you're going to tell people, your loved ones that you love them? Are you going to uh, spend those 30 days in a drunken stupor? Which, you know, to me, that sounds kind of like the, the best option there. I, I, you know, I'd I buy a life insurance policy. You'd buy a life insurance policy? Yeah, that would be a good one. I hear that that pays out um, when you're dead. <laughs> when, the planet, when the planet's dead. Um, asteroids are scary, man. Um, well, what they, would you do? I th like I said, I think I, 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 would, I, I would probably do the two of those things. Tell all of my loved ones uh, how much I care about them. And, uh, and then just that would be a good time to like try lots of different drugs, I feel like. You just go out with your endorphins uh, cruising. You know, I, I think if there's any better time to try drugs, you know, I, can't, I can't think of them. Yeah, it's like when like old people... They, they talk about like old people getting addic addicted to opioids or whatever because they're like with terminal cancer. I'm like, what does it matter? Like, yeah, it, it, is this really going to ruin their life? I don't it, think it, so. If you're bedridden and and you got a morphine button, like, just, you know, keep that thing pressed down. You got you got nothing to lose. And, you, and if you're and if you're, uh, you know, if the end is that imminent, you you don't want to feel much pain, right? You don't want to you don't want to I don't think you'd want to do that much self-reflecting because I don't think there'd be much utility in it. 
but I do think there would be a lot of chaos. I wonder how many people would actually try and survive it, like build up their bunkers and stuff like that. Oh fuck! I didn't even think about that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. I would just. I <laughs> very short. So I was. Th- I was thinking in terms of short-mindedness, like people would be stealing TVs and electronics. I, you know, I, I might try to steal some cars or something. I think that would be cool. But I guess, I guess the bunker building would be good or like try to like get in with a Facebook group or something who's building their own bunker and like try to get in with them. Well, there's some people that have been doing that for the last 10 or 15 years just because I guess they have more free time than we do. Yeah, there's got to be some places on Earth that would be underground, like places where we keep nuclear weapons and... and uh, Places like that that are deep underground in the mountains somewhere probably would be a, a pretty good place to be. Yeah, the problem is even after, let's say you're in the bunker and you survive and you wait it out for a couple years for, like, at some point you're going to have to leave the bunker. And what are you coming back to? Well, my concern would be food. If If... If there's that much damage and that much... So what happens when a giant asteroid hits the Earth? It vaporizes. It turns into gas, and it shoots a lot of crap into the atmosphere. And then you can... Basically, what happened with the dinosaurs, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, the asteroid hit, it got really fucking hot on Earth, and and they were basically like burning temperatures on earth and then it cooled down because the well, sun the sun couldn't what happened was you've got this giant rock going into the earth's crust and when it did that it blew out a ton of material and all that material just went up into the atmosphere and got caught up in earth's gravity and then kind of surrounded the globe and then all these rocks and everything that had just been blasted up get pulled back in as they get pulled back in they heat up from just the friction, friction with the air and so well, that's it basically the, that's turned the, the entire from. sky into an oven just imagine crawling into an oven and turning it to broil that's what being outside would be like so everything <laughs> yeah. on the surface just gets cooked so yeah. you've got fires on the entire planet as all these things. And also, oh, by the way, those locks, those rocks are going to land back on the ground, too. So, <laughs> so flaming rocks landing back to Earth. Yeah, it's 800 degrees fire. outside. And by the way, it's raining rocks. So does that, does um, that mean it's likely the oceans evaporated? No, no. Is there enough water you that it would lot. You would need a lot more energy to evaporate all the oceans. Like, okay. you would have one thing that you would likely have, actually is as the oceans go into the blast crater, because, you know, all the oceans are going to get blown out in that area. Like, wherever that crater is, like, all the oceans are going to get blasted out. And the water's going to go back into there. And as the water goes back into there, like, it's going to get super hot. So you could have, like, incredibly powerful hurricanes for, like, a short period of time. Because you've got all this heat energy just being added to the water. But... You basically are going to be cooking the entire surface of the planet with this. And so then after that, you've got all this dust and everything up in the atmosphere that's going to be blocking out the sun for a couple years. So it's going to go from extremely hot to a mini ice age for maybe, I don't know, five to ten years. So then you have, so then what's surviving that? 
they say cockroaches um, are surviving that. There's going to be some aquatic species that that survive. The that. oceans are going to do the best. Yeah, there's not going to be much on Earth that is surviving. On, but on Earth, anything I mean, that's on, on land is going to have trouble. Yeah, there's going to be some things that are that live mostly underground. Um, so yeah, like cave ecosystems might be okay, depending on how like how dependent they are on the ecosystem outside the cave to like send nutrients and stuff in. Like you've got like for example, like bats live in caves, but like they support lots of other stuff in the cave by like pooping on the floor, and other species eat that. So no more bats, no more poop, no more other species in the cave. I don't know. Well, the, but, yeah, but the bats are eating bugs and things from outside of the caves. The right, and so the bats aren't going to have any bugs to eat because all the bugs are just charcoal now. Yeah. Um, all right, so, so most species on Earth are dying. Yeah. And then it gets cold. It gets really cold. So do we enter a new ice age from there? Temporarily. Because the Ice Age isn't, is only supported by the fact that so much of the sun is being blocked out. Eventually, that dust clears. So, these dinosaurs get knocked out. We enter a small... Earth is basically on fire. Then we uh, hit an Ice Age. Now, when where was Noah with his ark? Did he get the dinosaurs, or was he after the dinosaurs? Um... I, I can't even respond to that. <laughs> well, you know, I I, uh, I wonder how the Noah's Ark story factors in with dinosaurs. I know, you know, I'm 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 sure there's a. Well, it doesn't because well, it doesn't like, really, but I'm sure there's somewhere def someone somewhere defending no the Noah's Ark theory and the Noah's Ark story uh, with dinosaurs. Yeah, there's people that believe that humans and dinosaurs existed at the same time. <laughs> but uh, we don't talk to those people. I have Noah's Ark theory in my in my notes here, and and as I was writing it down, I I made a, uh, and we might have talked about this before, but I made another note about the food chain. So if you're if you're Noah and you've got two of every animal, and you bring them on a boat, who's eating what? Well, they're going to eliminate each other pretty quickly unless you're bringing on all vegetarian animals. I, I really wouldn't try and like find logic in biblical stories you're gonna have a bad time no but i like it when people can <laughs> do their best to to make sense out of out of these stories and and try to you can derive some logic from them in the sense that what the, the take home of the story is but uh i don't think you're you're gonna set history straight with uh with noah's ark but i was just curious if there was some type of stipulation for dinosaurs in Noah's Ark. But. No, because the people of the Bible, when the Bible was written, we didn't know about dinosaurs. <laughs> Fair it's enough. the same reason why if you were to look at like Noah's Ark, you wouldn't find any kangaroos. Why? Because the Bible was written in the Middle East and kangaroos <laughs> were in Australia. <laughs> um, too bad that, uh, they can't swim. Uh, Alright, what, what else you got on, on the, meteorite, the meteor that hit the, the dinosaurs? The asteroid that hit the dinosaurs? Um, I don't know. Because I want to get into aliens. I want to. I want to get into. Uh, you've heard of this. You've heard of the asteroid that uh, that passed by called Amoa. Amoa. Yeah. 
You've uh, you you're familiar with this one? Yeah, it's not aliens. So there's a Harvard uh, scientist saying that it could have been aliens. It could have been an alien spaceship. And if you look at this asteroid, it it is a funny shaped asteroid. It's uh, it looks like a cigar. It looks kind of like a squashed down cigar, or maybe like you had a, a Snickers bar in your back pocket and you you sat. Just down. go ahead and say it. <laughs> looks like a big long turd uh, floating <laughs> floating through outer space, which is an odd shape for an asteroid you know these things you know formed through uh you know different big rocky bodies bumping into each other you don't get often long objects you get more spherical rounder yeah with the larger something gets the more likely it will be a sphere look at the planetary bodies so you got this this long asteroid traveling through space and this Harvard scientist has a few theories as to why he believes it's aliens. James. All of them are wrong. James, really. James, James has thought this one out. And uh, he's convinced this Harvard scientist is wrong. So, so what are your thoughts as to why he's wrong? And uh, I'll, I'll let you lead with this because you kind of right out of the gate. But, I just go, I, I rely on Occam's razor in almost all of these situations, which well, is, what's the, which, which requires less leaps of logic to support? And one is, it's an asteroid that just happened, that just happens to be in this shape, versus there are aliens, they constructed a probe, they decide to make it look like an asteroid, but they did such a poor job of making it look like an asteroid that it doesn't look like an asteroid, and now we think it's a probe. That's five steps right there, and I could probably add more. So like, I've noticed... What makes you think that in, like, if you've got some kind of alien species that has the technology to send a probe into our solar system, don't you think they would have the technology to make it look... If, and, and they didn't want us to think it was a probe, don't you think they would have the technology to make it look like it wasn't a probe? Well, maybe this is early, early alien civilization technology. Maybe, maybe yeah, but they, early maybe alien unlike, civilization technology would know about spheres. Un, unlike Elon Musk, uh, you know, who sent a Tesla into outer space, these guys were like, well, you know, we don't want to send something out that looks obvious. We don't want to send any sports cars out. We're going to send something that looks like a big turd. People step in shit all the time on the street. I see it tracked all over New York City. So people don't notice it on the street. <laughs> Who's going to notice it going through the sky? Makes me think of a prank that I want to pull off sometime. Have you heard of this one? I, is it shit on the street prank? What you do is you take a Snickers bar and you find a, some part of a sidewalk that is in the sun and you just put the Snickers bar down on, on the sidewalk and let it melt down. And then you wait to it for it to get really good and soft. Then when there's a fair bit of like foot traffic in the area, walk up to the street right where the Snickers bar is and go. Yep, definitely poop. <laughs> so for those of you who can't see James, he just pretended to reach down, grab the half-melted Snickers bar off the sidewalk, rub his fingers in it, sniff his fingers, and then lick his fingers and declare that it was poop. Um, so for someone who <laughs> argues Occam's razor, the simplest approach, you have quite the theory to, uh, 
to come up with this uh, Snickers poop prank. But there's no explanation necessary. It's a prank. Uh, well, maybe that's what the aliens did. Maybe this was a this was a giant Snickers bar turd looking uh, alien spaceship prank, and they and they got us. We just thought it was poop. So, uh, I agree with you that it's very highly unlikely that it was aliens. And if you've ever hit some rocks together, you realize you don't just get circle spherical rocks. That sometimes you get some funny shaped flat rocks. So. Not necessarily everything is going to be spherical. Yeah, I'm looking to see how large it was because, like, if it's small enough, if you look at pictures of asteroids that are below a certain size, um, like, they can be in all sorts of crazy shapes. It's only once they get above a certain amount where, like, gravity starts affecting them that things start to even out into more of, like, a circle. So... It's uh, 656 feet long. And it, so the reason this scientist believes that it could be an alien spaceship is because it didn't follow the expected orbit. So we thought it was going to have a certain trajectory, and it didn't follow that path. And then it accelerated away. And, <sighs> and what would cause something to accelerate without leaving a trail behind it. I don't so there's, know there's how... Let me, let me see about this whole accelerating out thing, because I'm yeah. not buying it. So there's, you know, there's reasons that things can accelerate through space. It often has to do with the sun warming them and some type of solar rays propelling them and pushing them. But what this Harvard scientist is saying was that there was no evidence that that had happened. Oh, this is an easy explanation. So, so think about it like this. As it get, it, it was it was mostly an icy object. So as it's leaving the solar system, the sun is behind it. The sun is between us and the comet, and mm -hmm. so the side of the comet that is getting hit by the sun is going to be like boiling off, and so you're going to have like jets of gas coming off of its back, propelling it forward. Which, yes. to us, it, makes it seem like it's accelerating away. Exactly. And they did not detect those jets of gas behind it. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why this scientist believes that there's something more sinister there. Like um, in, here in we go. Quote from a researcher at NASA's JPL. We tested many possi possible alternatives in the most possible one most plausible one is that Oumuamua must be a comet and that gases emanating from its surface were causing tiny variations in its trajectory. There we go. Somebody smarter than me agreeing with me. But he's not sure. He said most probable. He's not certain. And, uh, and in science, you can't rule anything out. Well, then I, I'm going to say that it could have also been... Um, the Tesla Model 3 that was in space propelling it out. Yeah, I, uh, again, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's very likely aliens. I don't think aliens would visit us that way. We've talked a decent amount about aliens um, and how unlikely aliens are to it's be. It's never visiting, aliens. To be visiting Earth. Um, and, uh, you know, I. And I'd, I'd really love to bring on an alien expert onto the podcast and have that conversation with them. 
but I wouldn't imagine that aliens would visit us on a turd rock. No. That that moves through the acceleration uh, from solar rays, burning off uh, some gases off off of it. So, I think the strongest evidence for interstellar, like intelligent alien life existing, is that they haven't contacted us. <laughs> uh, I think I think that's uh, if they can detect us, which if they're which they can't because the light from us hasn't traveled to them yet <laughs> so they just simply have to be you know kind of passing by and, and then detect us and then transmit that information somewhere else yeah if they're uh, catching some broadcasts of like i love lucy or whatever they're like you know what we can skip this one boys <laughs> um there's a new i love lucy semi-documentary out. i don't know if you heard of that you ever watch i love lucy i've probably seen half an episode in my life yeah i, I feel i think i've watched every i love lucy episode and of course, they were all in reruns at the time that I was watching them, but that goes to show you how limited TV was when we were when we were kids. Nick at night. Nick, it, it played at Nick at night or after Nick at night, something like that, which was the spinoff. No, I think it must have been Nick at night. So it was Nickelodeon after say nine o'clock at night, and then yeah. that had enough uh, of an audience to become its own TV channel. Which or it was, was just old TV. It was old TV. What was that channel called? I couldn't remember. Uh, it was like something classics or uh, uh, maybe Raj can, uh, can Google that one. What did Nick at Night become? But it became a whole TV channel, which must have been the where I'm really digressing a bit. But that must have been the business model because like Nickelodeon is owned by MTV. And then MTV, MTV spawned MTV2. And then MTV three, and uh, it was a whole uh, a whole mess. So uh, Rosh has been told he sounds like Desi Arnaz. <laughs> um, everybody's uh, favorite Cuban. Uh, what did Nick at night become? Uh, TV Land. Oh, there we go. That makes it sense. It became TV Land, which is a station that I don't think I've ever watched. When, Because when you're a kid and you watch Nickelodeon, you're kind of forced into or you're too lazy to get up and change the channel. So you watch an episode of I Dream a Genie. Uh, you watch an episode of I Love Lucy. You watch an episode of Happy Days. But, uh, but when you have to go to a channel for these shows... It's, it's a tough ask. Yeah. And if, you know, if the aliens are watching our old TV and listening to our old radio. Like that's tough. That, have you watched any old TV shows recently? No. Did I tell you I stumbled across Knight Rider? The, the 80s show with a talking car, the 80s show with the talking car. And it is cringeworthy to watch. Is that uh, bad? Yeah. It's, it's really, really difficult to watch. And an interesting thing, and I guess maybe we're circling back a little more towards asteroids and space in the future is that they developed this futuristic car, but it had like the CRT TVs in in the dashboard. So it had like like two six inch CRT TVs yeah. mounted in the dashboard. It's it's funny how when we predict the future, our scope of the future is is limited to kind of what we know today. Well, yeah. Like 
How, like you, they wouldn't have been able to do LEDs or touch screens because that crap didn't exist four didn't, years but, ago. And they, they didn't invent it. So some sci-fi gets really, some futuristic sci-fi gets gets things kind of spot on, like the Jetsons with the talking watch or something like that, or the video phone. Um, but they're just kind of combining two things that we, we know. I saw a postcard last night on, on YouTube of a steamship that had sailed across the ocean, and it was also a train. So the steamship crossed the ocean and just went on to the train tracks of the of the continent that it, it was it was coming into port at. It seems unnecessary. <laughs> uh, it does, but like that's how they were combining. So rather than think of air travel, <laughs> something like that, they had just combined steamships and steam locomotion. So it just it makes me think of you know if we're thinking about our future. We're kind of limited to, to what we can fathom today with the technologies that we have today. So there's a good chance that there are technologies that will be capable in ways that we can't fathom now that will be able to do things that we can't possibly fathom. So I have, I have some hope there when it comes to dealing with imminent asteroid hitting the Earth and... Uh, and with maybe interplanetary travel. Yeah, the biggest issue with asteroids is like, in order, the best thing you can do is try and just steer them away from us. But in order to do that, you need to get close enough to it to interact. And the time it takes to travel to get to the asteroid to be able to start to affect it. Like, first, it takes time. Like, even if you were to just like teleport to the asteroid right now, you would still have like a long time that you would need to be doing the thing that you're doing to it for it to have any meaningful effect on its trajectory. And so like we would need lead times of like years and years to be able to get to the asteroid and then employ a fix. And right now we don't even think that the fixes that we have work, but even if we had a fix that worked, we still need to get there. I think the biggest take home for me in doing research about hemorrhoids, I mean asteroids, is how incredibly difficult it is to identify them. The fact that we look out in the night sky, which is half of... We can't look for asteroids 24-7. You can only look at them basically 12-7. So you can only look half the time that you might think that you could. And you have to track these moving items, these moving objects in the sky that are dark. So you can't really see them. Well, it's also like when you do see them, you don't see them for very long. So you only get like a snip of their trajectory. So you've got to extrapolate out where they're going to go from very limited data. Well, it could just be a dark spot on a bright spot in the sky. And then you never see that dark spot again because you don't know which way it's going. You just see one dark spot and you don't know where to look. You look and... and <laughs> Think about how, how long it takes to track the sky, right? The sun is, is flying through our sky, or it's not really flying through our sky. We're spinning. Um, but that takes 12 hours or so. So, so to, uh, just the impossibility to track tiny dark objects through darkness. Um, and then when you do, figuring out, what direction their orbit is, what their trajectory is. That's really scary. And I didn't actually know about the, i got to look this up to pronounce it again, the Chelyabinsk 
meteor that that was in Russia that they had predicted the same day that a different asteroid would be passing by the Earth and that we should be looking at the other one. And this is one that caught us off guard. Uh, Russia's saying something about a uh, theory that alien aliens... Well, first of all, like, that people think that aliens are visiting us more during like nuclear testing. But I think, one... Like, pretty much all nuclear testing ended by the early 60s. And so, like, I would say that in the 50s when nuclear testing was at its height, I, I think people's imaginations were a little more prone to run, uh, to run wild. So, and also, like, even if you were to assume that, like, nuclear testing were to be some kind of a beacon to aliens or whatever, it still requires the time for the light and radiation from a nuclear bomb to travel to wherever aliens may be, which is, at minimum, five light years away. Well... Mm. You, you, you took me off track with the, uh, with the alien talk. I'm sorry. I was still stuck in the vastness of night and the asteroids being, uh, being impossible to find. Well, but... Uh, uh, but, but you're looking I, for I, what I are love, effectively I, specks of dust. I, I regained my train of thought here. And the idea of getting hit by an asteroid is absolutely terrifying. I, I sometimes wonder about space junk falling down or airplane parts falling down and just crashing through the roof of your house. And that's terrifying. And I also sometimes think as I walk down the streets in New York City, as someone who... who has installed their own AC unit in the window. How fucking dangerous that is. So oftentimes when I'm walking through New York City, I just go, fuck, at any moment, you could get hit with a falling AC unit and die. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. I think a woman last summer got hit by a falling brick from a building. and That's and enough. Um, but you, and I also think like I mean I spent a lot of time in a lot of different buildings you know all different heights, and I see people they just got the window propped open with you know we prop windows open I catch people propping windows open all the time in my office with coffee mugs and uh, bricks even and all somebody has to do is bump into that shit it just falls out the window and you know there's a while outside of my building when I lived in the Upper West Side where oranges were flying down from the above, and they never found out who was throwing these oranges out of their window. But somebody was throwing oranges out of their window, getting a kick out of them just hitting the middle of the street below. So uh, yeah, but if you at least if you get hit by an orange, you're gonna survive. <laughs> I hope so. Um, on that note, though, we are uh, we're hitting the time. I think now is a good time to uh, to cut the broadcast. Uh, Rosh, if you wanted to keep talking on zoom join the zoom everybody else james you can stay live on zoom for a minute if you don't mind everybody else um, yeah i'll have to toggle we'll see you guys next time thank you for joining okay. us talk let us know what you guys want to hear about uh this asteroids one i thought was pretty cool so uh on that note guys adios laters this is the other end thank you for joining if you have not already please subscribe like comment interact in any way and i will be forever grateful I like PBR, I just got priced out of it.